so Paul, do you follow Age of Empires? No, I don't. I actually haven't played or even heard. Okay, I have heard of, but I haven't like really taken an interest in Age of Empires because there are other games like uh, Heroes of Might and Magic that like we play uh, Heroes of Might and Magic Five, but that that's as ba- that's as far as medieval for as medieval goes for me. Okay, well, Age of Empires plays slightly different from Heroes. Basically, you start off as with you start off with a civilization, and you will start from like way at the beginning of that civilization. And as you build up, you progress in your civilization. You will progress through different ages. That's that's where Age of Empires come from. Think of it as real time strategy, but um, kind but more like civilizations oriented. You have a uh, wait. Did you buy Age any... of Empires three before? No, no, I haven't bought it. No, I haven't bought it. But I played number two before, I think. Or is it number? I think I might have played number three before in a land shop. So basically, you you build your armies, you square them off against each other, and may the best player win. Uh. If I remember correctly, Age of Empires is somewhat lighter than than Civilizations in that you don't have to deal with uh, such deep strategies. Uh, kind of like in Civilizations where you can where you, there are many many ways to victory if I remember correctly Age of Empires had a method of winning where you would build a wonder and you would just win and that would be the end of it that's all I remembered from it I'm sure there are more if I if I dig deep enough but I can't remember at this point in time so the new one is coming out right the new Age of Empires 4 is coming out but I'm guessing at this point you don't really know what's the big hype about it right nope Age of Empires 3 was released like 12 years ago and now number 4 is going to come out 12 years later, right? And it's developed by... Interestingly, it's developed by Relic. Relic is the same guys who make uh, real-time strategy games. Company of Heroes. They made Company of Heroes. Really? Yeah, they make Company of Heroes. Uh, they also... they I, I've, got this, I've got their wiki up here. Uh, it looks like they made Warhammer 40k. A lot of Warhammer 40k, and they yeah they did both Company of Heroes, uh one and two, and now they're gonna be making Age of Empires four. I'd be interested to see what will come out. We are talking about hype for games, right? In Gamescon, they actually debuted uh Monster Hunter. Oh, Monster Hunter! They actually debuted Monster Hunter. I can't remember which one was it though. Uh, give me a sec. Okay. Monster Ah uh, Monster Hunter four, I think. Monster Hunter four. Wow, everybody's counting to four now. <laughs> oh yeah, Monster Hunter World, sorry. It's called Monster okay. Hunter World. Uh, my friend was actually telling me about it and I actually got a bit like curious how uh, people actually play Monster Hunter because uh, you, you know you see people play on the... the PSP? Yeah, no, not the PSP. The 3DS. Oh, the 3DS. You play okay. in the 3DS. Some people play on the Vita, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, okay. So I see people play, and then I, and here am I like thinking, oh, that, that seems quite nice. And but apparently, like the learning curve to play Monster Hunter is extremely steep. Yeah, yeah. Like think Dark Souls. Yeah. O- okay, okay. It sounds fun. It sounds fun. Think Dark Souls, but uh non-punishing to the point you want to throw your table out the window kind of uh, punishment. But that's there's a certain fun in the Dark Souls kind of experience. Yeah, there is a certain level of... There is a certain level of... Uh, you can call it challenge or fun. Some people love that kind of challenge. Some people just... I don't know why they put themselves through this kind of thing. Th- there is that kind of 
uh, difference. It, it is a challenge, and the challenge is the fun, you know? If it's going to be like just any other game where you just have to button mash, that that's... I mean, some people... Some people enjoy it. Uh, right? Yeah, that, I, I, I enjoy it too. But that, this is that begs the difference. Of... But that, that that begs the difference. You see, why why would you want to? Why would you want to put yourself through that kind of sheer terror, especially for some people that are playing the games in the blind? Like for for those who don't know, playing games in the blind is playing a game for the first time. Like basically, no help whatsoever. Basically, you're going into the game without any assistance. Basically, you go in and play without um without any external influence no helps no uh, no guides you're, you're going in alone have you have you played these kind of games before uh dark souls yes have you played dark souls before uh no and you are and and you are making a comment on like why why you don't why you find the game is not fun no i didn't say the game was not fun i just just don't know why people put themselves through this kind of thing like when I played uh, Darksiders two, now have you tried playing any uh, gauntlet based games? Like when the get the waves just get harder and harder and harder, and you also yeah, we used to play those kind of games. And and but it's not survival. I'm I'm talking about gauntlet based, as in you have to keep winning wave after wave, and there are checkpoints. Now, uh, in Darksiders, we they have this thing called the Crucible, where you actually have to fight off hundred waves. Now, okay, uh. The various waves actually are like monsters and creatures that you fight all around the whole game. Now, right. uh, it, they reached a point in time, like I think it was wave 69 or wave 70 or something like that there. Uh, the, okay. They just get ridiculously difficult. Ridiculously okay. hard to beat it. And they reaches a certain point that... And this is not Dark Souls level yet. This is just enough to annoy you, enough to make you frustrated, and because the chances of you dying is like probably like 50%, 45%, like that. Whereas in okay. Dark Souls, the chances of you dying is like 95% on average every single time. Like, I've watched you... gameplays, I've watched people play it, I've asked multiple people about their reviews on Dark Souls, and mm-hmm. I'm just curious. I'm not saying that the game is bad. Uh, by all counts, the graphics, the gameplay, people from Monster Hunter say that Dark Souls actually quite, are quite good as well. So, it has to be a good game if people keep going back to it. Yeah? Yeah, but he, right. uh, but I'm just, just curious because maybe it's just not my game. Maybe it's just not my game. But it, uh, when when I keep hearing people like giving, uh, giving me uh, stories on they play Dark Souls and then they just basically lose their minds every single time they play the game. And when they reach a point in time where they feel like they want to throw their monitor out the window. But you have to understand that Dark Souls... Well, dying is part of the game. It makes you go back... Okay, it's like... Um, if Dark Souls were easy, do you think people would keep coming back to it? No, it's not that. It's... There is a there is a certain okay. You you're a game dev. You're a game developer. You should uh, you should understand the term called rage quitting. Yes. Okay. Yes. N- now, a good game is to balance between. It's a balance between boredom and anger, and boredom and frustration. I wouldn't go to say that, but go on. Okay. From from the theory that I've heard once before that a good game is a balance between boredom and frustration. If the if the thing is too easy, player gets bored. Just leaves the game. But if the player gets too frustrated, then he just basically rage quits. I would say that you're you're putting boredom and rage quit on 
two opposite ends of a spectrum, which I think is not really a spectrum. Let me let me give you an example right here. Um, there is a difference between a game that is hard and a game that is punishing. A punishing game would be if you let's say you have a let's say you play Mario, okay, and if you jump into a pit, normally you die, right? Yeah. Yes, you jump into a pit, you die, correct? And some pit, let's say, now let's say we make a game, okay? Now we make a Mario game, but some of the pits, you can't die. You won't die. Actually, there's a reward down there. There's an invincibility star down there. Yeah, like, basically, they, they, they create yeah. rooms for doubt. But here's the thing. Here's the, the, the that's the thing. Understandably so, it's, it, it creates... Look, let, let me finish. Um, now, the thing is, if you're going to create this kind of lack of consistent feedback, then people are going to feel frustrated about the whole game. Because it's going to, it's going to be a case of like, uh, is, it, is it correct to do this or is it wrong to do this? If you don't have that kind of feedback, now that is punishing. On the other hand, you see something like Dark Souls. The AI is not very smart, you know. The AI is not particularly smart. The AI is actually quite predictable. And... The whole idea of someone coming in to play Dark Souls is he fights against this enemy. The enemy kills him if he tries to figure out why. And he sees that there's a certain pattern and he tries to take advantage of it and he wins and he feels great about it. That's the whole point of Dark Souls. Are you sure? Yeah. Every enemy in there, right? I, I wager that the AI isn't particularly... It's not the kind of AI that you would expect in uh, something like Fear, for example, where there's squad-based squad gameplay, where the, the enemies will swarm you and try and kill you like that. I won't... Not from I what I hear, though. I don't think that they would do... Not from what I hear. I don't think they would do that. Really? Not from what I hear. Okay. From what I hear is that... Uh, it's more... It, the, the, the AI is actually... It actually adapts. The okay. a, the AI's combat ability it doesn't it, it there is a preset, but the the way it battles like even for small monsters like it will sometimes strike three times or strike four times or then after that strike one strike one big one time then after that it strikes four times then strikes then after that it does a volley of a volley of hits then but then you would thought that it will go back to maybe one uh one or two strikes but then no suddenly it starts to do four strike again, so it it. Uh, Depths in a sense, but it still uses. Uh, it randomizes its. It randomizes its hits from ba- from this is what I'm hearing. Not, not based on. Uh, not based on actual gameplay. Cause one is uh, I don't really have the money to buy it. So, uh, but <laughs> even at that, even at that point, it's still predictable. You can still see the tells in how the enemy is moving. How is it going to strike? In what direction? You are still able to get some handle on that on 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 the enemy and you know take advantage of it. That's what makes. Fair. Have you played Dark Souls before? I've I've played a little bit before. Could so you you could predict its uh combat movement. Well, these kind of things you gotta learn it, right? Yeah, yeah, but they, they, but you you see when the 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 the. the I mean, look, okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Before we continue, listeners here, we both of us woefully inexperienced when it comes to playing specifically Dark Souls, but I guess we have played other similar games like uh. Onimusha? Does that count? It's one of those it's another it's one of those hack and slash games. But one thing um one thing about Onimusha that I find similar to Dark Souls is that there are you are rewarded for hitting uh 
time triggers. There's this thing called a guard critical. So if you if you block an enemy's attack at just the right time, you uh you can you you're rewarded with an ability to finish them off immediately. So that's just one small thing. I'm sure Dark it, Dark Souls is definitely way deeper than that. I would like to just leave that disclaimer right there. So yeah, let's just go yeah, on. Like okay, okay. Uh, the the guard critical bit, right? Even even games like games like uh Dark Darksiders, they also do the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. It it just gives you more incentive in your combat, but that's about it. But the 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 learning curve in Dark Souls is just way too steep, way too okay. steep. And even even for experienced gamers, that this game is is just honestly, it's quite crazy. But that that being said, that being said, it's it still can be played. It's not thoroughly impossible to play. It's yeah. just it's just it's just ridiculously insane and difficult to play. I think it's. I I gotta agree with you there. It's Dark Dark Souls is one of those games which I feel like I don't really have the time to 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 invest in Dark Souls to learn all the ins and outs, and that's why I've never really never really touched it. The most I played was uh the most I played actually was like a just a game demo about ten fifteen minutes get the hang of it, and that was about it really. But you have to acknowledge that lots and lots of people do get a great kick out of it. And people that play it do acknowledge that even though it's hard, but they come back because it is hard. It's difficult. And when you defeat a boss and you feel like a badass for it, and that's not because of like sheer luck. You can't just boil it down to luck. You put in the time to practice. You put in the time to learn his moves and how to counter them. And and finally, you came out on top. That's what makes you feel great. It's, it's a skill-based game. It's very much a skill-based game. Even though sometimes it feels like it feels like complete. BS, you know. To 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 most people, it feels like BS. But then that it's a it, mm-hmm. it is it is a very you can call it luck based or skill based. But majority of the time, it's skill based because these guys. <laughs> okay, I just give I just give major props to people that actually play Dark Souls and continue to play Dark Souls since the since the game came out, since the game came out as Dark Souls One. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I I give major props to those people that actually still stayed and played because. To to think that when it came out as Dark Souls One, mm-hmm. can you imagine how f- ragingly difficult the guys must have started? They can, can you imagine they they're just like, oh, this game is actually quite quite challenging. Then they they start going at it over and over again. Then they start to go for Dark Souls Two, and then they go for Dark Souls Three. So it's, <laughs> I I there am I thinking like, okay, they have something wrong with them, or they have uh, they got nothing better to do with their life, or what? What what draws them to come back to uh, and start playing this kind of game, or is it what we've been doing all this time, which is storyline? Because uh, there is there is an actual story in Dark yes. Souls. If you actually don't, if you actually look past all the rage and keep going back to that same old, same old, and uh, just getting your ass kicked all the way all the single time, but there is an actual story behind it. I haven't really read into it, but. From what I hear from people who actually play it, and for people who actually like, like love to see storylines or try to actually f- like look at look at the backstory behind it. Okay, let I'm going to try and draw a parallel here, and you tell me whether you think it's a fair parallel. It strikes me as something like God of War without the cutscenes, or maybe with the cutscenes. I don't know. I haven't played that far. I I should go and watch a gameplay video soon. What? The... As in, in terms of story, the, the instead in terms of amount of story, I know God of War is story that that people can't stand because you know I after after God of War one, uh, God of War two onwards people people started hating on it, and 
I would argue rightfully so. That's the level of story I feel Dark Souls is on. Yeah. That I don't I wouldn't know because I won't play it. So yeah. Okay. Now that that's out of the way. Now okay, let's come. Let's come to a controversial debate. So since yeah, I believe controversial. <laughs> I believe a lot of people realize that on Steam or on Valve, those people that play Dota Left 4 Dead, and I love this game a lot. Since yeah, let's, I, I, we are we are finally coming back to it. And th- and uh, this game and this game has uh, is it's basically one of the first few games I ever touched in my life, besides Counter Strike. This uh-huh. game is called Half Life. You know, so, Gordon Freeman, Gordon Freeman with the 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 signature crowbar running down the halls and starts beating the crap out of Vortigons. I'm sure everybody listening has heard of it, but uh, just in case, Half Life Two came out when? Well, Nineteen ninety something. Huh? I mean, I, I no, 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 Half Life came out in in, in the nineties. Half Life came out in uh, nineteen ninety eight. Wow, that's amazing, man. Yeah, it came uh, out. I, I it came out. It came out in the nineties, and Half Life uh-huh. Two came out in two thousand four. It says right here. All right, yeah, there you go. Oh, this is crazy, man. It came. It took out. It took them five years to come out of a sequel. But where's Half Life Three? And even that. Okay, okay, okay. Half Life had so many so many spin-offs as well like one universe can drew so many parallel storylines and came up with more more games for them to sell so mm-hmm. from uh, we had half-life the main storyline you still had blue shift you still had opposing force uh-huh. you still had uh, what 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 others were there blue shift opposing force you had blue shift opposing force fremen's revenge no, those were uno- those were unofficial mods, uh. So, uh, but Fremen's uh, Revenge is still uh, is still sold as a sold as a as a spin off, where Fremen were managed to escape from Freeman Gordon whatever. Freeman Gordon Freeman yes yeah, but Gordon Freeman the the Freeman's Revenge isn't uh isn't an official mod only Blue Shift and Opposing Force was uh was released like official Half Life mod, anyway anyway Half Life Two came out. 2004. Then, then they tried to toy with uh with with episodic series. Episode one came out in 2006. Episode two, 2007. And we're still waiting for episode three. But you know, with all the news coming out, it looks like Valve just completely gave up on the whole thing. And there's this uh there is this um oh I'm reading here that actually there is one more expansion rather than opposing force and blue shift. It's called decay. Oh, Decay. Yeah, Decay came out for... What's that? The N64? Something like that. One Another console. It came out for uh, P- a PS2. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It was for PS2. Okay. I don't know if it is canon. It probably is. Uh, uh, yeah, it was. It, it's, so it's considered canon, yeah? It's considered canon. Oh, okay. Okay, then. No, I just I just wanted to talk about uh, uh, Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Uh, some people have pointed to Mass Effect 3, the effect. Right, where everybody is waiting for the the final installment of the the trilogy, and because there's so much anticipation, right, when the game finally comes out, it it doesn't matter how good the game is, because when it comes out, people expect it to be perfect, and then there's this disappointment that comes out at the other side. Okay, to be fair, the Mass Effect trilogy is. Uh, some people actually said that the Mass Effect trilogy ended. On terribly. No, 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 no. A, a good majority say it ended terribly. Some reviews, video reviews, I actually went to check on YouTube. It actually says that it ended on uh, the ending it deserved. 
it's not uh, one that we want, but it's one that we deserve. Yeah. Because how people actually view Mass Effect is that you have a boatload of choices. Everything is a choice. The way you end is a choice. Like okay. the way they ended Mass Effect 2 is that your choices in the game ends how many people you're gonna uh, how many people are gonna survive and there's only one true way of making sure that everyone survives. Okay. There is a best ending and then there is a terrible ending. Okay. In Mass Effect 3, why people say it is botched up is because there is no way everybody survives. Oh, I see. I see. Someone will die. And but even though even though even though let's say they even they plan for these people to die, maybe that's part of the game developers the storylines development. But massive spoilers, massive spoilers. At the end of Mass Effect 3, Shepard dies. Oh. Now Shepard's oh. supposed to be this invincible character now okay uh, sorry sorry for those people who are actually listening if you don't already know yeah the, these are all massive massive spoilers so if you do not know already know this and you have been if you haven't been watching youtube or haven't caught up with the mass effect uh, trilogy do not listen to anything i just said go play the game and then after that just after that start booing at me for spoiling it for you but yes uh, Shepard well, dies. Well, Shepard dies at the end. Shepard dies at the end of Mass Effect Three, and uh, why people say it's full of um, full of nonsense and it's just they just botched it up is because uh, yes, you have you have a choice whether you want to. You got three choices basically: either save synthetic life, okay. But at the, okay. uh, save synthetic life, but at the expense of your own, uh, your own. Um, you basically sink yourself with synthetic life. Okay. Basically, okay. your mi- your mind becomes one with the synthetic life. You become a program. Okay. Now that is one route. The other route is that you destroy all synthetic life in the universe. You destroy okay. all synthetic life in the universe. Uh, so you destroy the Geth. You destroy. Uh, what was the? ED as well. You also destroy. Okay. What was that? Um, uh, the Prometheans were cr- were controlled by which? The the Reapers. Ah oh. yes, the Reapers. Oh, so the Reapers. Okay. The Reapers are actually uh, the Reapers are actually synthetic life forms. So it, it because the Reapers decided to go and invade Earth. Okay. Because at the end of Mass Effect Two, you actually see that the the Reapers have massed one hell of an invasion force and and just <laughs> decided to go and attack Earth. So, okay. uh, Shepard being Shepard, he goes and tries to save... Yeah, Epic Shepard. That's so, right. he tries to save Earth one more time using this floating platform in the middle of nowhere. Okay. That 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 thing is basically an installation that was created by the Reaper so long ago that it, it basically he- it, uh, helps you in uh, in defeating the... Either defeating the Reapers or it controls the Reapers. Uh, then, there's a lot of, of mumbo-jumbo. But at the end of the day, you still die. Yeah, you could have just gone straight to that. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's there's the backstory behind it. So, yeah. So right. at the end of the day, you still die, uh, because you blow up you blow up this key installation console thing that, uh, kind of controls all synthetic life on inside the in the universe. So if you blow it up, you blow up with it. Okay. So that's kind of the downside behind it. Then there is the third option. The okay. third option is. Is basically you fuse your you f- you become a catalyst to fuse bioorganic life and synthetic life, and you form a new DNA a, a f- new strand of DNA, which is 
a biocompatible synthetic life. Alright. You basically become bio, uh, bio-organic and synthetic. Okay. Uh, it makes no sense, right? But makes th- no sense at all. But that that's what happens when you take that third option. So it's like the best the best option amongst the three, in a sense that you're still you're still human, but you still have the capabilities of, of a synth where you can share information via uh, bioorganics. You don't you don't have to start uh, you don't have to really think what the guy is thinking about. You so just receive information like how Legion receives information amongst Amongst the different guests. So you're you're human with Wi-Fi, basically, and and a, and a whole lot more actually. You can you actually talk with the Reapers. You can actually communicate with the Reapers. Okay, all right. It's a very deep thing, but okay. There is a last yeah, option. There is a last option, which is basically screw all three options. I will fight this war my way. Okay. Go and watch that version of Shepherd saying screw all three options and just fight the war his way. The ending is absolutely um, ironic and funny at the same time. Okay. I find it like I I am I'm, I'm into dry humor. So when I when I see the thing, I start I start laughing because of the irony behind it. Uh, just just to just to summarize it, basically they lose. It didn't work. They lose. <laughs> okay. They basically lose against the Reapers and people actually speak of that battle as a like some pastime history to the point that uh, they they speak of they speak of it like ancient history okay and there's only so many humans left like I think they're in hiding or something like that I don't really know and then uh, like if you choose that option then you can the the Asari the Asari that uh, Liara Oh, Liara. Liara Tasson, yes. Uh, the, she actually leaves a recording behind. Don't know how many meters down into the earth, underground. Uh, it actually tells you, like, they tried fighting against the Reapers and they failed. Okay. So, at the end of the day, it's how much death can you save in Mass Effect 3. It's not a question of uh, who can you save. It's more of a question, who do you want to... Like, okay. if you kill all synthetic life, you kill the Geth, you kill Legion, and you kill uh-huh. ED. Those, okay. are the, those are the two that you would kill on a minimum. Okay. Now, during the entire course of the game, you actually have... Uh, you, you actually meet back with Grunt. You meet with... Uh, Mordin, was it? Yeah, Mordin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That hamster on caffeine. Um, <laughs> you actually meet up with a lot of the different characters that you meet up in Mass Effect 2... Uh, you have a different uh, Normandy. You have to upgrade the Normandy all over again. Okay. With different upgrades, uh, with different upgrades this time round. Uh, yeah, that's a, all right. That's what happens. So, uh, there's a lot of different things that they actually decided to put in again. So, uh, yeah, just it's a new, it's a whole new different gameplay all over. But the ending is what people actually didn't like because it's so botched up. It didn't have the mass effect kind of. Uh, ending everybody wanted where you yeah. can actually choose the best ending and gives that sort of resolve that everybody wants so it's like everybody expected to be able to do something like in Mass Effect 2 right because that's, like that. that's what came before that was the prequel to, to Mass Effect 3 and because uh, Mass Effect 2 you could get all the upgrades you could get all the loyalty uh, bonuses and all that and nobody would die and you come on everybody would be happy and everything was great Right, 
we defeated the Reapers, you know, they're still out there, but we defeated them today, and we're going to be able to fight them tomorrow, and that, that was the whole idea. And now that, and I mean, I've, I've read about the Mass Effect 3 ending as well. It feels rather unsatisfying, because, like you said, there's no... There is no optimal solution. Do you want me to give you another game that actually... that The moment I say this game, those people that actually played the game before would know what I'm talking about. What, what, what is that? Spec Ops The Line. Right. I, I've never played... Okay, can, we, can we go back to Mass Effect 3, Paul? No, no. It... it, it no, 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 no. Can we please go back to Mass Effect 3? We, we, we started from Half-Life, and now we're talking about Mass Effect. And oh. now we are talking about. Well, you did want to say it. You did Spec want. Ops the line? No, you did want to talk. You did want to talk about the crime, and it's not okay. Never mind. Forget it. Okay. Yes, we come back from Mass Effect Three. We come back. Come back. Let's, let's just talk about Mass Effect Three. All right. Let me try and summarize what we just talked about in the last ten minutes. So this Mass Effect Three anticipation, where everybody's waiting for this game to come out. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. We've had so much fun with the with the previous games, and this one's gonna be better. And when it comes out. It does not fulfill the expectation that people have built up, or be- because people have have such huge expectations of this game, and the developers simply cannot fulfill it. No matter how hard they try, that they're just not gonna be able to push out an awesome ending that's gonna be great for everybody. What do you think about that? Can't say much. <laughs> I mean, I want to say to people who claim that Valve is holding back because of this disappointment, I would like to say that. Either Valve is being too sensitive. Are they being too sensitive about it? Because the way I see it is either they are not so much interested in completing the story as compared to presenting a new type of gameplay somehow and some way. Because let's put it this way. If you were, if they were really invested in completing the story and you know, the whole world is... So many people out there are waiting for goodness knows how long for Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Not even Half-Life 3. I think that ship is sealed. We're just waiting for Episode 3 to come out. But so far, Gabe Newell is, has been... Oh, uh, we'll, we'll see. He doesn't want to give any answers. Uh, he, he's been very mum on the whole subject. And the internet's gone wild with speculation about why this is the case. What I feel is that I don't think Valve has the same motivations that that gamers outside waiting for Half-Life 2 Episode 3 have. I think that if their motivation was to make a good game, they would have probably already done it. If their motivation was to make a good Half-Life 2 Episode 3 story, they would have already done it. I actually heard that it's still under development, but when when I say under development, I mean that it got stonewalled by, by development and... Uh, performance but uh, Im- b- performance improvements to other games like CSGO, Dota 2, uh, Left 4 Dead 2, that kind of thing. And those are like cash cows. I-, I feel like... Yeah, pretty much, that's why. It makes perfect financial sense to push all their development dollars into making all these pseudo-free-to-play games even better. I say pseudo because CSGO isn't free, but, well, you have all these free-to-play market trappings inside. It just pains me to say this, but I feel like Valve is not a company that makes games for the sake of making games. And let's be fair, they gotta make money to live, but wouldn't it be great if they could at least finish up their trilogy? Mm, yeah. I would like I would like that. I'm, I'm sure many, many people would like that. So, yeah, Gabe, if you're out there, if you're listening to this, yeah. we're still waiting. That's unlikely, but yes, on the unlikelihood that he actually does listen, 
Yes. Lord Gaben, please come up with Half-Life 2 Episode 3 or even better, Half-Life 3. <laughs> Bring back Freeman. <laughs> have you followed the release of the Switch? Uh, no, I have not. No. Because apparently a lot of people are saying that it's Nintendo suddenly being awesome all of a sudden. You know about the Wii U that came before it, it didn't perform so great. My guess is that they picked up a bunch of lessons from the Wii U, thrown it all together, they put it into their new handheld, which is the Switch. And you know how it goes, the two controllers are detachable, you have a screen in the middle, and you can hold the two controllers, one in each hand, and just play with the screen on the table. And it's great because it brings people together in a way that you can't quite do with the Wii U, or, or the Wii for that matter. Because, uh... I think one of the lessons they learned from the Wii U, the Wii U is basically a separate screen and a controller. And everybody else will be playing using the, the television as the screen. And the person playing a Wii U will be playing the same game, but under different conditions. Most of those conditions leverage on the fact that the guy playing the Wii U can see stuff that the normal guys can't. And what I think they've really improved on here is that if everyone has a Switch, then everyone can be seeing their own information. I think that's the big improvement that they've made. So... I, I would say Nintendo definitely did a great job with this one. Obviously, people are going to play uh, a lot of Mario Kart. And you can see how that flows in very naturally. The internet went crazy a while back with the Breath of the Wild. And the memes are still flowing into this day. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> They're all kind of funny. Oh, Splatoon came out. And my office has gone crazy with them. <laughs> they, they, yeah, every lunch break, they would have a quick lunch and come back and quickly play and play and play Splatoon. And they'll be going on about Sniper and stuff like that, which... Well, anyway. What do you think about the Switch? Um, I actually tried playing it once. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, my friend, had, my friend went to buy a Switch. So mm -hmm. he bought Metal Slug. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it was fun. It was really fun. It's just a tad bit difficult to handle because it's so small. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but that's, that's the only downside I have on it. It's, it's a fantastic device. Oh, definitely. It's a fantastic device through and through. Good job for that, Nintendo. I'd buy this. I would like to buy the Switch, but... Yeah. Like you, I have no money. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yes. Talking about money. Mm -hmm. Previously, we were actually talking about uh, getting one game because... But then we didn't, ha we didn't because I had no money. Oh, yes. Yeah. So oh, I, yeah. Managed, I managed to sell that skin I was talking oh, about. Oh, And oh, then yeah, after yeah, yeah. that, I bought the game. Play Unknown's... Battleground. Oh, no battlegrounds. To be short, oh. for short, PUBG. Oh my gosh, I wanted to talk about this game. We played a game, and I tell you, it is it is a massive rush of blood to the head. It feels like, it feels like one of the most unhinged. It's one of the most unhinged games I've ever played. I I feel like I gotta explain this my way. Player unknown battlegrounds PUBG is basically a ninety nine player battle royale, and the the whole game is set up to encourage you to kill each other within a 30-minute game, 40 minutes at most. If you don't have a great team, or for that matter, you're not a great player like, like me, I just I, I literally just started. You may not even last 5 minutes, because the majority of people get called out at the beginning. It's a brawl. And for those who um, have yet to see some gameplay, or for those who are not into this sort of thing, I'll explain to you what happens. Everybody starts in a plane. They have to jump out and parachute onto this island. And this island, is, it's got a city, it's got a village, it's got uh, woodlands, and it's got all kinds of landscapes. 
so you land inside, and there's all this equipment lying around everywhere. Guns, armor, uh, grenades, and stuff. They just land there, and you have to be the last man standing. And if you die, well, you lose. That's, that's the game. The first thing that happens is everybody tries to land in all these points of interest like there's a military base and they just jump in and and everybody grabs the guns and starts shooting at each other so if you are the lucky guy who managed to land in a place where nobody else landed with you you'll see like in the first five minutes easily the first five or ten minutes ten minutes at most half the server is gone half the server is dead and it puts you on edge because the map is the map is huge we're talking about uh you can run for like 20 minutes from one end to the other huge kind of huge maybe even more when you play other games where everything is very structured you know the you you start here the enemy starts over way over on the other side the two of you are supposed to kill each other if you play in those kind of fixed conditions there are many things which you will eventually come to expect like for example the moment you start the game you can expect the enemy to show up in a certain place you have these kind of things in the back of your head but in PUBG, you have none of that. Everything is out of control. I've only clocked, what, six hours on Steam? But I can immediately appreciate that, that it is one of the craziest games I've ever played. And I enjoy it, every single bit of it. I can't wait to get back on it again. So what do you think about it, Paul? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Well, you covered about so much of it that... Okay... But all I can say is that you can you can really expect, uh, mm-hmm. you can expect people to a certain degree, not like the way we expect CS and playing Didas too, where you actually know that oh okay it's either a long rush or so it, it's not something like that. There's a fixed strategy to it. Yeah. There there is a there is a uh, there are three routes and um it's it's more of a battle of information. Now okay. in PUBG there is not a battle of information anymore. It's just a battle. Full stop. You have no information whatsoever. The only information that you have is that if you are the last one to jump out of the plane, yeah. you know you have a faint idea where everybody went. But it's like watching fleas come off a dog's back. You just they start just <laughs> yeah, they right. start jumping out and go and you can't even count how many people jump out because there's so many there's so many unless your screen's resolution and your your desktop is decked out for maximum performance. There's no way to actually tell, like, really tell how many people are left in the plane or how many people have jumped out of the plane, how many where they are going actually. Then, on top of that, the the plane's route is randomized every game. Like you can tell after a certain amount of games that oh, uh, plane only goes from here to here, from north to south or south south to east, south to northeast, that kind of thing. But every game. They just use those preset routes, but where everybody goes along those preset routes, no one knows. Everyone chooses a different thing. At one point in time, I actually decided to go and get off and said, okay, I'm just going to die at at, at military base because it's flying over military base. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to go there and die. So when I got off, no one was there. Oh wow! <laughs> no one was there, and I was a... I was so fortunate because I got level two on everything, except the backpack. <laughs> okay. Basically, I was decked out. I had the only yeah, thing that I couldn't, I did not have, was a backpack. So I felt very sad. But that that, that being said, I didn't have to fight until I had to leave the island where I saw people. Well, that that was the only saddest case I ever had because I got ambushed. Oh. 
Yeah, but that that's the fun in PUBG. You don't know what you're gonna have and you fight with what you have. Even if you even if you have a butt pen and you fight with that butt pen, even if the guy has a pistol, you go up to that person and you whack the guy in the face using that frying pan. Or people like to call it the butt pen. Kudos to the people that actually came up to this game. This game is just rocks all the way. And here was I thinking that oh maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't get this game, but when I started to watch the game more and more and I was like this game rocks. I feel like it fills a niche that no other game at the moment really fulfills. I mean, there was H1Z1 King of the Kill, right? A King of the Hill. That King of the Kill. King of the Kill. It was King of the Kill. It's called, yeah, it's King of the Kill. Go and look for it. Huh, okay. And um, if I'm not wrong, it's got that feel as well. Right? It's the same idea. But PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds... Actually, I'm not really sure. Why do people prefer PUBG? Does, does PUBG have that? I'm, I'm not sure. It's like King of Kill just disappeared and now everybody's just playing PUBG. I mean, King of the Kill is still out there, right? H1Z1 King of the Kill. It's still out there. But... I mean, I, I don't think it has that... I, I'm, okay, that being said, for those people who actually play H1Z1, please help us fill in the blanks. We don't really know about H1Z1. We know that they come out with crates. They basically do the same thing. It's nothing new. But why do people go to PUBG rather than stay in H1Z1? So uh, let us know in the comments below, or please share share with us. I am also very curious why people had just stopped playing H1Z1. Okay, from what I'm seeing in all these videos, on it looks like H1Z1 is more stylized. It's because uh, H1Z1 started from I think it was it like a zombie based kind of game. It was no, I I would think so. So H1Z1 it started as a zombie game. And then they moved it onwards to King of the Kill. So they're using. So they, I'm guessing they use the same engine, but you have to understand that H1Z1 is the kind of game that is stylized. It's gritty. It's gory. It's more geared towards people who like playing uh, zombie shooters and all that. That is my uneducated guess. But PUBG, to put things in perspective here. Engagements happen at very long ranges. They tend to happen at very long ranges because the the fields are much more open and the terrain is much more open. The feeling I get when I see H1Z1, correct me if I'm wrong here, they feel like they happen at closer range than than what you would see in play unknown battlegrounds. And that ups the tension when you play PUBG because uh, if noticing a few black pixels way over in the horizon is the difference between life and death, yeah, I, I think you're going to get pretty stressed out by it. For some people, some people may not like it, and fair enough, some people just want to have an easy game at the end of the day, but that is, but what a thrill it is, man, to have to uh, scout when, when you're playing with friends, and, and there is this real need for teamwork, because the, the world that you are in is such a hostile world, not because of the terrain itself, but because of what the terrain is concealing. I was actually talking to a few of my friends regarding uh, PUBGs. The way people play the game, especially in... Like, okay, for, for us for us players actually who don't uh, play it competitively, we just play for the sake of it and we, we, we just basically start running around the map hoping to find someone and kill them or we run towards the circle and there are different strategies that should be done in any other battle royale where you actually have to roam and kill or okay. avoid and try your very best to end up in the last circle where you have to kill the last person. Okay. Now, okay. 
from what I've heard, some people were actually quite upset with the winner of the PUBG event in Gamescon. Because okay. a good majority of the game, he was just like, hiding in the river. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, and... But that's a valid yeah, strategy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. It's completely Don't get valid. me wrong. It was, a, it was a valid strategy that he actually... It's not necessarily fun, it's not, but it's It's valid. not a necessarily fun strategy, but it is a valid strategy because you're trying to stay alive. That, that At the end of the yeah. day, that's a valid yeah. strategy. But they didn't they didn't get their money's worth, you see, because you, you, you come to a competition, you come to a competition where you expect at least everyone in the top tier would have at least five kills. Well, you have that. You have that expectation, but so, when you see how people actually play, you're like, "Oh my goodness, that coward!" But that is one of the various strategies that you can employ. But it just—it was anticlimactic. You can say you can just call it anticlimactic. It's not really a question on strategy. It's just—it's just anticlimactic. At the end of the day, you see the champion of the whole. <laughs> yeah. The champion. He's—he was—he wasn't even runner-up. He wasn't even part of the huh? top ten. He was part of the top ten. He was the champion. He stood above everyone. Yeah. How many kills did he get? I don't really know. I don't. I, I, but all I heard is that he hid in the river most of the time. <laughs> it's Gamescom, is it? Gamescom. Gamescom. Yeah. Gamescom. Okay, uh, so I'm seeing over here. I- I'm seeing here this article. Uh, one player won 15k by running and hiding. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That's how you. That that's how he survived. He by running and hiding majority of the time. That's yeah. how he survived. So yeah, I have to agree. Oh, okay, okay. Let's put it this way. PUBG is not a fair game. It's not okay. It's fair in that everybody gets to start out. Everybody has the, the same starting point, so to speak. But it's one of those games where you could lose just because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's too chaotic for someone to reliably be able to win based on his skill. I mean, don't get me wrong, skill plays a huge part. But the way I see it is, you can do everything right and still have a honest to fair chance of losing. That is PUBG for you. Yeah, and I'm guessing what Gamescom did here, they, they turned into a sort of tournament kind of thing. They held this competition, uh, they played three rounds, and and they went to see who won. So PUBG is still pretty new. And many of the strategies that come out, like hiding in the river, goodness, <laughs> hiding in the river, uh, these are valid strategies. The one thing that uh, some people actually came out to say that he's not doing anything wrong, you know. I know, I know, I know. There's, there is a certain level of unfairness when it comes to playing PUBG. It's like it, you have to pray basically to the RNGs bestow upon you good items when you're uh, when you're fighting in, in in PUBG. There are certain people that just feel butthurt about it. Like, uh, oh, this guy won because he 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 decided to land in the correct spot and he just got lucky by not having to fight so many people. He didn't land with anybody around him, so he had peace of looting. Whereas I had to land in somewhere that I have to fight people for resources. But that's the beauty about PUBG. But when you fight it on a competitive level, yeah, it it changes everything. Okay. It changes things in the sense that when you're fighting people on a competitive level where money is at stake, it yeah, yeah. it changes the viewpoint quite drastically. People start to look at things as uh, oh, the guy had it better. He was more lucky than I was. Yeah. Whereas when you play it for yourself on Steam, or you be like, you be like, oh, I just got lucky. He got, he got unlucky. People get butthurt over these kind of things. And the question is, how do you get around that? Well, I think I think I will run around off by saying that PUBG 
doesn't really have what I would expect in an eSport. If it was an eSport, you would be expecting things like, uh, as, in, as in most competitions, a bunch of rules which promote skill as opposed to uh, promoting luck. Because if, if a game was uh, lucky, let's take a game that is completely won by luck. Let's just say playing dice, for example. If you play dice, that's completely by luck. There's no skill involved in throwing some dice on the table. You want, so, you want eSports to promote skill rather than, oh, I, I died because I landed in a bad place with no drops and my enemy was on a tower with a sniper rifle and he saw me trying to loot this place with nothing and I couldn't shoot back and I was helpless to the situation and just died because of that. In an eSport, you don't want those kind of situations to happen. You want to be able to say that this person lost because he didn't do this or that. It was in his control, but he did not, and therefore he paid the price. You want to have those kind of situations. And what goes for esports, uh, I think it's right for this principle to apply in esports just as it would apply to other sports out there. Right now, what I'm seeing in PUBG is that, yes, after the first few minutes, after the first few chaotic minutes, a lot of the skill comes into play. But at the beginning, sure, you, you could try to decide where you want to land based on where you feel where you feel uh, the competition is headed, where, ev- where you feel everybody else would be heading. And the idea is that if everybody were acting wisely that way, you would have a good distribution of people throughout the map. You won't have everybody throwing themselves at the military base, resulting in situations where you just feel unfair because everybody's just trying to kill each other. Everybody lands and this person is trying to punch the other guy to death and someone else comes from behind and shoots him. And for almost everyone in there, it would feel unfair. And this is fine if you're talking about a casual play, just playing for fun. Ah, I died. Five minutes later, I'll just play another game and jump down again. You don't want this for competition, though. At the same time, I don't feel like PUBG has to be an eSport. Don't don't get me wrong. It doesn't have to be an eSport to be an awesome game. And it is an awesome game right now. If for some reason the devs want it to be an eSport, they're going to have push up more in the skill-based genre. Like, for example... Um, they sorry. Um, they they're going to have to like for example the scoring system, in Gamescom the scoring system you get points for how long you survive. Getting a kill doesn't give you much more points, so there's not much incentive. You see, that incentivizes surviving. And PUBG it makes sense because in PUBG you gotta look out for number one, and number one is yourself. So the whole point is to survive. Getting shot at is not a great way to survive. And when you incentivize basically camping out and hiding get this kind of uh, performance at the PUBG Gamescom. While it's an effective strategy, it's not necessarily one that's fun to watch. And one of the big things that makes esports great is that it's fun to watch. It should be as fun for you to watch as it is for the guy who's playing it, ideally. If PUBG really wants to be an esport, and I personally feel that PUBG doesn't really fit an esport, what I feel is that they've got to figure out a way to encourage the combat. I think it's it's a strategy. It's not really much. It they have you watched Battle Royale? As in like um that that Japanese movie, very quite budget, but at the same time, it actually proved the point that um it's more of a case on it's more of a case on how how do you how do you want to go about uh, doing it? Like uh, for some cases that when you play the game, right, you see someone running by. Do you okay. shoot them or do you just let them live? Do you have a we have a choice because if you shoot them, you reveal your position. But at the same okay. time, you might get the shot in. You might actually knock them out, but you don't know whether anybody else is around you. Mm-hmm. Or if you actually uh if you actually don't kill them, they run away. 
you don't get okay. noticed, your position is still covered, but you might have to face them down the road, or they might have taken a more advantageous position, and they might be the one that kills you in the end. Players have to consider a lot of tactical approaches, and yes, like you said, this game just doesn't feel like a game for esports, because esports is a, a battle of reaction, yeah. or a battle of strategy, because things just... Things are kind of more clear-cut when you play esports. Yeah. yeah. But in PUBG, there are too many variables uh, around for it to be a uh, more effective esports. Things don't really feel like they're in your control. Yes. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to sum up here, if PUBG really wants to break out as an esport, they're going to have to push that skill factor up by a fair bit. And given that it is a 99-player game, maybe one of the things they could do is reduce the player count. I think that's one of the things that will really work out well for them. Like, re- reduce the player count. So maybe, like, it's, instead of 99 players, more like 32 players. Because the map is so huge. And they're yeah. trying to and they're trying to really immerse you into that battle royale. But the problem here is that in a natural battle royale, it's supposed to be chaotic. The, the battle royale is chaotic by nature. By nature, and it's supposed to be chaotic. But that being said, because it's... it's, it's I've been saying that a lot. Uh, it's just huge. The map is humongous, and to encourage even more combat, mm-hmm. they added the circle. Yeah, 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 and the circle is a good addition. Circle is a very good addition. But what I'm saying is that I think, uh, I think the team battle will be good. The teams they have a squad gameplay system, right? Instead of having a free for all, it's like a, a free for all but four man teams. Everyone's in a four man team. I think. It might actually be a good way to play PUBG, as in uh, make PUBG into an esports. So it's like everybody plays in four-man squads. That could be a great way to go about it. Because now you add teamwork into the mix. When you are alone, it's too easy for you to slip up somewhere. Or maybe you don't even slip up. Maybe you're just you're trying to run from one point to another. You're doing everything you can. And, and someone in a building, goodness knows where, takes out a sniper rifle and shoots you and you die. And it feels unfair because you had no way of reasonably knowing that he was there but if you were in a four-man team you will only get downed but that's okay because your friend is next to you and he can revive you while your other two teammates provide covering fire or throw smoke or something like that that's just a preamble to uh, how having four four man teams in PUBG will make it feel much more like an esport I think I, I believe that's that's quite we actually talked quite a bit for this, for this episode Oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. We talk about a game that we all enjoy. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it it is. It is we, you know it. Uh, you and I have played it, and we're like, I'm. I want to go back for more. Yeah. And it's it, it. That's how much I want to play. Even though I keep telling myself like, I got no time for this. I got no time for that. But I come home. And I'm like, I got time for PUBG. <laughs> you make time for PUBG. <laughs> Time, time makes itself for PUBG. Okay, but uh, on a serious note, it, it is ridiculously fun. For those people who haven't bought PUBG yet, I'm not sponsored by Bluehole to actually say this. No, none, no, none of us. None of us are sponsored by uh, Bluehole or any associates of PUBG to say this. Yeah. Go and buy it. Go and buy the game. Yeah. You will not regret that. On Steam, it's 35 Singapore dollars. Just buy it. It's a better investment as compared to playing CSGO. 
What? No, 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 no. Don't, I, I wouldn't make that claim. No, 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 no. What? CSGO said, is good for its own reasons. It, it so. is good. It is good for its own reasons. You you spend fifteen dollars without discount or without some sale in order to in order to buy that game. Then you get skins and then the other. But uh, ever since I reached the rank of GN three, I have been running to hackers like free, like free. I, I, I kid you not. Every game I play, I run. A ground of hitting a hacker with a 33% chance. Maybe because I claim for PUBG being better than CSGO is with like a 50% confidence level. You know it's only a matter of time, right? Yeah. Someone's gonna make a hack for... Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That, that being said, that's why I said I hit it with a 50% confidence level. Why I didn't uh. say more than 50% or 100% for that matter is because... PUBG is still in in alpha stage, so maybe somebody down the line, okay, would make a hack for PUBG, and then after that day, I'll say, okay, no, CS:GO is still better. Okay, B- because you know, you know it's gonna happen. Yeah, it will happen, but until that day happens, I will say with fifty percent confidence, PUBG is better. You do realize fifty percent confidence means you also have fifty percent confidence that uh. CSGO is better. Yes. That doesn't really mean much. Uh, okay, just buy it. And $35. It's still money well spent. Okay. You can still sell the crates that you get from your week- uh, random weekly crate buy that uh-huh. you earn from in-game currency every game you play. Yeah. Play 10 games. You earn 600 coins at the very at the very least, if I'm not mistaken. If you end up 99 players, you end up in like 50 plus, you get about 60 coins. So... Play about 10 to 12 games, you can buy one crate. You can sell that crate on Steam. I think it's roughly about, what, 40 cents? No, um, let's see. Uh, I, I think I was, selling a, I was selling a crate just now. Oh, I sold one here for... That's Gamescom and, crate. No, 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 not the Gamescom crate. Uh, the Wanderer crate, it's selling right now at 95 Singapore cents, right? Because we're in Singapore, not America. Yeah, so uh, 95 cents. There you go. You, just owe, yeah. you earn almost a dollar just by playing one hour of games. I think it's about 70 cents US, right? It's about there. No, sorry, not one hour games. I, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not one hour games. You played about five, six, uh, five to six hours of gameplay and you earn like 95 cents for your Steam wallet. Let's be realistic here. Playing PUBG is it's not a good way to earn money. Lah. But uh, money is money. So I'm not going to fault you for that. Go for it. Just buy it. Just buy it. Don't worry. It. Don't worry about recouping your money. Because those people that actually play it have a high chance of actually having a lot more reserves in them anyway. So yeah. Uh, just, just buy it. Buy it. Okay. Okay then. So, anyway, where was I? Oh yeah. Uh, so, okay. Ah, uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought. Um, uh, 